Alrighty, Wiz, good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Wednesday. Wiz and I have been moving through each position, doing a very interesting exercise in uh, trying to figure out the widest margins, uh, kind of range of outcomes for players for the upcoming fantasy football season. We did the quarterbacks, we've done the running backs, we've done the receivers, and on to the tight ends today, Wiz. Uh, Wiz, how are you doing? Yeah, doing, uh, doing, doing pretty good. Uh, getting uh, closer and closer to, uh, you know, uh, starting on the start of the season, but... Uh, you know, when things get serious as far as uh, official team activity, so uh, we're going to get uh, a little bit more in-depth as it gets uh, closer to that as well. Yeah, I think the one thing, you know, you look at you look at the tight end position and how it's evolved over the, over the years uh, since we've been playing fantasy and, and paying attention to football, and the, the tight end has become an integral part of, of many teams' offenses. In fact, a lot of teams... Uh, have two options at the tight end position. I was just reading today uh, where the kid from Duke, rookie for the Kansas City Chiefs, Noah Gray, uh, they've been very impressed in his ability. And, you know, you could see more two tight end sets on a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, you know, Travis Kelsey is there. I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that Noah Gray is a name to watch for. But, you know, injuries do happen, and, and teams are employing more of a strategy to put two tight ends in the field at once. And just having one tight end, you know, these guys are – becoming much more than just a blocker they're, they're integral parts of the offenses uh, as we see on a day-to-day basis in the NFL yeah I think um, I think there are some uh, teams that have um, you know multiple tight ends and they're going to use multiple tight ends and uh, we're going to try and uh, you know break it down and uh, and help uh, people out there uh, you know, maybe go after the correct one or to avoid situations, which uh, always, always makes for an interesting uh, topic. Yeah, I think, you know, this year coming into season, there, there are definitely moving parts. There are still some parts that we're waiting to see if, if players get moved at the tight end position. I think you and I both thought last year coming into the season, if we if you didn't get one of those top tight ends, and you and I are, are, are huge uh, Darren Waller fans, and he proved us correct last year once again on, on his beastly season. Uh, you know, George Kittle uh, in the mix, and, and obviously Travis Kelsey, who's been a stalwart at, at the position. But, you know, we felt last year coming into the draft if you weren't, a, weren't unable to get one of those studs that 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 there was a lot of depth at the tight end position I think we were proven right uh last year there was a, there, there was certainly if you if you're one of these guys in a, in a league where you actually wanted to stream tight ends on a week-to-week basis depending on the depth of the rosters in your league it was something that could be done and I think you know when I peruse over the rankings for coming into this season yeah there there are a lot of guys ranked as low as whatever 15 to say 22 that you can make compelling reasons for them to to be more of, of an impact on the fantasy uh, fantasy football circles for 2021. But yeah, it's a position to me that that has continued to get deeper, and I still feel the same way. You know, you've got your top three or four guys at the tight end position, but you know after that there's a there's a there's a wide vari- wide variance in terms of outcomes. I think we could see on a number of players at the tight end position. Yeah, there's definitely interesting players that I think can squeak their way not only inside uh, tight end one become a regular option to start for your team, but even can creep uh, somewhere close to maybe top seven to ten. And those same players, I think, could be 
kind of pedestrian as well. So I, I have a few on my list. I, I know you have uh, a few on your list as well. So, uh, you know, I think it, it always makes uh, for an interesting uh, conversation when you talk about these type of players where the range of outcome is pretty wide, where there is uh, a real reward if you could get the player cheap, but a real risk if you pay up for a player um you know, which you see um, every year when it comes to fantasy football. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. All right, so I'm going to kick off tight end, and I'm, I'm going to kick it off with a guy that you know that I'm, I'm definitely very enthralled with. Uh, he currently sits on a roster, probably a little bit too expensive from a dynasty perspective. There's been some recent commentary from uh, Minnesota football coach Mike Zimmer saying that Irv Smith Jr.'s role was not going to change despite the fact that Kyle Rudolph has departed off to the New York Giants. Uh, we know what Irv Smith Jr. did last year as the season kind of finished out. Uh, definitely had an impact, it, certainly in the red zone. There was a couple of games there where he was getting the ball seven or eight times. Tyler Conklin is the other uh, tight end on this roster who who Mike Zimmer definitely speaks very highly of and, and, and thinks will still be on the field quite a bit in this team. And, you know, I see Irv Smith Jr. ranked somewhere in the vicinity of, say, anywhere from 13 to 20, depending on whose list you look at. Uh, I just look at the player. I think there aren't a lot of options after the main two guys at receivers uh, for the Minnesota Vikings in, in Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen. I, I know they have a gifted running back in Dalvin Cook, but I think Irv Smith Jr. is one of those players that can definitely knows his way kind of into that kind of top say eight or nine tight ends uh, I, I think right now his ranking is a little bit too low. If I'm completely wrong and I call Mike uh, Mike Zimmer's bluff and Mike Zimmer is correct and that you know, Irv Smith Jr.'s role isn't going to change and, and Tyler Conklin will be a bigger part of what the Vikings do, then then his ranking could actually slip from where it is right now. But but I think a player that I like, I'm, I, I think has a wide range of outcomes based on what we're hearing from Mike Zimmer and what we've seen in the past. That player is Irv Smith Jr. for me, Wiz. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Irv Smith Jr. is kind of right on that where a lot of people rank the player, I think is kind of like right on that uh, edge of, of tight end one, um, you know, somewhere between 12 and like, as you said, 15 or 16, ranked somewhere in that mix with a bunch of other several players uh, that are vying for that uh, ability to get in uh, that that tight end one argument. Uh, I think this is an important year for Irv Smith. Uh, you know, with Rudolph out of the way, and then the Vikings have two terrific receivers. There's going to be a lot of room, a lot of space for Irv Smith to work. Um, he probably hasn't been utilized uh, the way that maybe Minnesota intended when they drafted, but there really is nothing in his way this year. So, uh, I, I can see it, but uh, you know, if he if he remains touchdown dependent, uh, then it's going to be a big disappointment. But uh, I can see your viewpoint on the player. Uh, I will certainly not be surprised if he ends up as uh, a top tw- uh, top twelve tight end this year, even even maybe better than that, uh, somewhere around top ten. So I, I could see that as well. I know you uh, you like the player a lot. All right, so why don't you uh, take us out with your first tight end, Wiz? My tight end uh, first one I'm going to talk about is Jonu Smith from um, from the Patriots. Um, By I the way, I love that you I, I love that you pi- I love that you picked this player, and I'm going I'm to give you the reason after you articulate. But go ahead. Well, so uh, there, there's so many things going on. So I know a lot of people, you know, 
kind of like a bunching Smith and Hunter Henry in together. But you have to really look at it closely. And when everyone became a free agent and there was a mad scramble, it was clear that Smith was the Patriots' choice. They signed him first. There was at least a full calendar day before they went and signed Henry, which means there was a whole day for someone else, other teams, to go after Henry. So I know they're lumped together and they may play a lot of 12 personnel, but from the Patriots' perspective, you know, you got to look at it closely. They went after Smith first. They gave him more money. They gave him more guaranteed money. And, and then you have to now start look at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I, I think either way, it'll, it'll be in bodes well for Smith. Whether it's Cam Newton, who I think wants to throw to the tight end, he likes going to the tight end, and we know rookie quarterbacks feel safe throwing the ball to the tight end, so if Mac Jones got in there, I would be okay with him. And then you have to worry about the usage of the player because when it comes to the Patriots, you're never quite sure. So I think there's a lot to like, potentially the upside for Smith, and then there's potential for that player to be pedestrian. So I have Jonah Smith as my first tight end who I find difficult to rank, and I feel there is a wide range of outcomes. Yeah, so I, I like your reasoning. Uh, if I told you, which is kind of ironic, because the, the Patriots were kind of one of the first teams to really embrace kind of this two tight end operation when Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez uh, were, were, were run out there on a, on a weekly basis, which is a real headache for teams. Uh, you know, you talk about the quarterback situation for the Patriots, and, you know, there are reports that Mac Jones has actually looked very good. I, you know my feeling on Cam Newton. I think he's kind of a washed-up guy, but Bill Belichick continues to say that he looks better and he's making more progress. I, I, you know, we're, we're talking about Cam Newton like he's some kind of reclamation project. I, I, I just think he's very long in the tooth as a quarterback in the NFL, and Mac Jones is the future, and if the future looks like it's going to come sooner, uh, why why pause on the inevitable? So I think that's definitely something to watch here. We know that the receiving core is kind of revamped for, for the Patriots as as uh, as uh, Julian Edelman has moved on. They still have Jacoby Myers. They brought in Kendrick Bourne. Uh, they also brought in Nelson Aguilar. Uh, the, the most interesting thing to me was last year is the Patriots. Now, look, we know they drafted two guys last year, neither of neither guy who made a sniff of any difference last year as a football player. But did you know that the New England Patriots last year had the least targeted tight ends in all of the NFL? If I, I mean, you're probably not surprised by that, but it is actually amazing how low the number is. The Patriots targeted a tight end 36 times last year, which to me is just unbelievable. Um, and, and a far cry from where we were in, in kind of the Hernandez-Gronkowski uh, era. Yeah, but I think, you know, for John o. Smith and or Hunter Henry, I think it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, I, I'm with you, and I think Smith brings them a, a, a different options uh, and, and his ability to play kind of different positions, at, 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 even as a tight end. Uh, so I'm very compelled by the pick. I, I find it interesting. But I was very stunned in doing my research that the Patriots were dead last in the NFL um, in in attempts to a tight end in the 2020 season. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. And, you know, of course, they have Hunter Henry as well. And, you know, we're not sure about the quarterback. 
situation, so a lot of uncertainty, and uh, I think that equals uh, a, a wide range of outcomes for uh, for both tight ends, but in my mind, especially Smith, because I think there's a lot of upside for that player. So who do you have next on your list? So I'm going to go to Hunter Henry's former team, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers, and the player that I'm looking at is Jared Cook. Uh, we've talked a lot about him on this show. Uh, you mentioned it as him being a very touchdown-dependent player. He's now 34 years old. Uh, he's ranked kind of around 20 or so. Uh, I know it's not a really exciting number. The, the one thing that you have to respect on this team is the fact that a guy like Keenan Allen is in this offense. Uh, Mike Williams is in the offense. And, 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 and the quarterback really was had a tremendous rookie season. Uh, and they threw to the tight end a lot. They threw to the tight end 138 times last year, which ranks him in the top seven in terms of attempts to, to a tight end position. And Hunter Henry leaves, and in comes Jared Cook. So I'm not particularly sold that Jared Cook is actually going to be the answer here. I, I would argue that there's downside risk. You know a player that I kind of mentioned and he flashed a little bit at the end of last season, and that's Donald Parham, uh, a young guy, very athletic, very big physical specimen. I, at the end of the day, you know, if you told me that Jared Cook, because they like to throw, there's not a lot of options after those first two guys at receivers, and Jared Cook actually moves a lot higher and actually becomes, say, a top 15th right tight end, would I be completely shocked at that? No, I would not. Uh, but would I also be shocked that Donald Parham actually ended up being the number one option at tight end on this team? No, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. So I think there's a lot of variability when it comes to a player like Jared Cook, who's 34 years old, but in an offense, it's very interesting. So Jared Cook is the player that I have with, with wide variety ability coming into the 2021 season yeah I think uh I think he I think he's interesting uh you know you know going to a kind of a pass happy team uh there's a there's a lot of upside uh with the Saints I kind of steered away from him because he just seemed like he was uh touchdown dependent but I think uh, Cook is an interesting one. Uh, I've always just uh, kind of stayed away from the player, and uh, I probably don't envision him on being on any of my teams this year. But uh, <clears throat> I could see where, look, you probably just want to get as many guys as you can with that Charger uh, offense the way Herbert had it rolling last year. So I could see that one. Um, I'm going to go to my next tight end, and I have Gerald Everett on my list. Um <laughs> Boy, there's a lot to like as far as Everett for this year. Um, he's shown glimpses. He, you know, is working with a quarterback who is gold for tight ends with the, with the way he throws the ball. And Russ Wilson, he's reunited with uh, the offensive coordinator, and the, you know, with the Seahawks this year. Uh, worked with him when he was with the Rams. So that's another thing for the upside. Um, I think he'll have a lot of uh, opportunity for playing time. So <clears throat> I, I just think with the personnel that the Seahawks have, the quarterback, the offensive coordinator, there's a lot of upside. He's been a bit of a disappointment uh, as far as maybe the stats not equaling the ability of the player. But I have Gerald Everett on my list this year as a tight end with a wide range of outcomes. Yeah, and I think that's a good choice. I have him on my list as well. So it's our kind of our first duplicate here on the list. Um, 
Look, I, I think at the end of the day, th- there's going to be a lot of different things that go on with this particular offense. We know how they started the season. We know how they finished the season. I think they've got some stuff to figure out. Uh, we know they have two super talented wide receivers. Russell Wilson is, has been one of the most consistent quarterbacks over the years. Uh, that was not the case in the second half of the season. They did bring Chris Carson back, a solid running game. I did see where Rashad Penny was brought back. Uh, he's back, but he's also... Again, having a little bit of a knee issue, I, there, there was a cleanup procedure done here. So I still think this offense needs to let Russ Wilson cook a bit. I, that, that's my personal opinion. And Gerald Everett and or Will Disley will be part of that. Now, I think it's going to be Everett like you, so I think there is upside. If we're wrong and Disley is actually a bigger presence at tight end than we think, then that's, that, that's the downside risk for a player like Everett. If we're right because there's really not a third receiver option, you know, not a guy at least – I mean, I know they drafted, they've drafted another receiver. Swain from last year is back. Um, but, you know, the two guys that are going to be catching the ball here, first and foremost, are going to be Metcalf and Lockett. But after that, there's a lot of ty- there are a lot of targets up for grabs. And, you know, Gerald Everett is a perfect candidate to take some of those. So, but I do think there is some variability depending on how things shake out with the Seahawks. But I like the call of Gerald Everett as well, Wiz. All right, what do you got next for us? All right, you know, we're kind of going back and forth here between teams that are kind of overlapping, but I think Anthony Fersker is quite an interesting guy at tight end. So in comes Julio Jones, out goes Jonu Smith, out goes Adam Humphreys, out goes Corey Davis. So there are definitely targets up for grabs, and I know this is not a pass-happy team, but that being said, 138 targets for this team as well at tight end between Jonu Smith and Anthony Fersker last year. And it was a couple of games last year where Jonu Smith was out of action, Fersker was the guy. There was a couple of games where Fersker got double-digit targets. So I think it's a player to watch for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, blocking is going to be an integral part of what what the Titans do, uh, particularly with a running back like Derrick Henry. Uh, But there are a lot of targets up for grabs. I can see the reasoning that that Fersca comes in and actually dominates touches and actually gets, you know, a lot of those targets that used to go to John Smith and ends up kind of being in the discussion of tight end 12. Or, you know what, it's just Julio and A.J. Brown just hogging up most of those targets. And, you know, Anthony Fersca really doesn't rise from much from from how he produced last year. So I find him to be an interesting guy. I know it's not a pass-happy team, but I was very surprised to see how many targets went to tight ends in this offense last year. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Titans, uh, you know, hope and, and, you know, plan on him being uh, a solid contributor. Uh, but, you know, when, they, when you have a player like that who's way down the pecking order, you know, of what they want to do with the ball, I think a player like that will be touchdown dependent. But he seems to be a guy that, you know, they, they don't mind throwing to when they get down there. And uh, with the attention, obviously, the Henry and, and Brown and, and Julio, there'll be a lot of opportunity uh, for him. I, I just don't see, like, the floor being – so bad where like I don't know wherever he's ranked I, I don't see him having a, a much worse outcome than where he's being ranked you know I think if he catches those touchdowns uh you know his, his ranking could improve so uh, uh I think he's a interesting player and I, I know he's a player that the uh Titans are, are counting on to uh take some of the slack that they've uh that they're they're losing out this year at the tight end position so We'll have to see uh, how that one plays out. Uh, how many more do you have on your list? I have two more on my list. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna talk, I have t- 
two more players that I want to talk about, but one player really on my list, but I want to talk about another player after that. But the other player on my list is, is a guy that he has enormous ability as a receiver. I guess he's a willing blocker, but he really can't block, and that's like Noah Font. Um, and I'm not sure what to do with the player. I mean, obviously, I could care less about his blocking if Aaron Rodgers was with Denver. But then, you know, you're not quite sure of the personnel. You're not quite sure who the quarterback is going to be. I mean, is it going to be Bridgewater? Is it going to be Locke? And then, you know, just the player himself. You know, if it's Drew Locke, you know, I just feel watching them play, I just feel like, boy, he has a better connection with his more – with his Missouri teammate in college, uh, Albert Okwe-Newbaum. So uh, I think think there's some a real trapdoor flaw for Noah Font. I know the reason why people are excited about him. He's fast. He's athletic. He's a terrific receiver. But I'm just not sure about the personnel. I'm not sure about the connection. I'm not sure who the quarterback is. So I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach as far as Noah Font is concerned for this year. I think there is a chance that he could finish in the top 7 or 10, somewhere in that range. But I wouldn't be surprised if he finished outside the top 15 as well. Oh, so, uh, you know, it sounds like you're talking about my next player. Um, And I I have Evan Ingram on my list as my next player. And I don't know how to, I don't know what to think about Evan Ingram, uh, especially given the depth of the wide receiving core for the Giants. Uh, I have seen him in the top 10 on a few lists. Uh, I'm not sold on that. I think it's a, you know, I'm not sure that the Giants feel that that he's actually part of their long-term plans, and I could see a situation where, yeah, he's a player that kind of sneaks into the top 10. We, we know he's a gifted athlete, but I can see him just completely disappearing off the face of the earth on this team with the change in personnel. So I don't have any – I have no confidence in drafting a guy like Evan Ingram. Maybe other people do, but for me, uh, I don't know how to rank the player, and, and the player kind of scares me despite the fact that he's a Giant – I'm a Giant fan, but I, I think it's very tricky to kind of un- understand how Evan Ingram fits into the plans of the Giants and, and, and the production that he will have in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. You're preaching to the choir about Evan Ingram. I've not had an interest in that player in three years. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just don't see it. He drops a lot of passes, and he's often injured, and there's other things going on with that team, the quarterback. I mean, yeah, so I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, people still may like the player, but uh, everything will not be on any of my fantasy teams this year, and uh, I see, uh, you know, the outcomes being from, I don't know, average to you know almost irrelevant so uh, i'm i'm not interested in that player and sounds like you kind of have the same view on the guy yeah i'm 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 frightened to death and and i know you was you wanted to talk about one of the player i actually probably am going to talk about the same player as well it's not that i want to mention because i think there are some variables and i have another guy that kind of fits into it but why don't you go first to see if in fact we're thinking about the same guy and i I have one additional guy too that i want to talk about 
I just I, I just think has to be mentioned when we're talking about this is Kyle Pitts. Um, he uh, I know has been talked about and he has tremendous ability. And I've heard you know the term once in a generational type talent, and he's going to you know just change the entire position and all of that. Like I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I'm not you know going to dispute the talent and his catch radius and his skill set and his red zone prowess and all of that. But I just think, you know, unless you're playing in a dynasty league where you could hold on to the player for a couple of years after, I think you have to just kind of keep these expectations reasonable. And I'm going to, I'm going to lead into a tight end trivia question for you. Can you name the only rookie tight end in NFL football history in his rookie year to catch double-digit touchdowns and have 1,000 yards receiving. Wow. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Kellen Winslow. Mike Dicker, 60 years ago. <laughs> 1961, Mike Dicker at 12 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. Kronkowski is the only other tight end to catch Double-digit touchdowns. He caught twelve. He caught ten touchdowns one year. I mean, it's just difficult for a tight end whose sometime responsibility is blocking and understanding what defenses are trying to do and being a big part of the running game. Then you're playing in college and. Every single play, you're going out and running patterns, and it's, it's the game is 60 to 50. It's just not like that in the NFL. It takes a while, and I understand the talent and the ability, but there's been a lot of quarter, uh, tight ends who've had tremendous talent and ability as well, and it just takes them a little while to go. So I guess what I'm getting at is, yes, if you're in a keeper league and a dynasty league and you get Kyle Pitts, he's going to be a tremendous player. And if you can get him at that price, or whatever your format your draft is, yes, by all means, you know, he'll be worth it. But if you're playing in, in, in a draft where, you know, after this year, you know, next year it's a completely new draft and you're drafting all the players, I just think you have to take into consideration the history of tight ends in their rookie season coming into the NFL. Yeah, and, and, and he is one of the players that I did want to discuss. And, 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 I, and I do think, you know, it's interesting because I've seen him rank basically five, six, or seven coming into this season. Um, high expectations. He's got to build that rapport and chemistry with Matt Ryan. Uh, I, I don't think you can automatically extrapolate the fact that you move Julio Jones out of the offense and, 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 and in comes a guy like Kyle Pitts. We know that Hayden Hurst is still on this roster. We talked about Russell Gage uh, the other day in our podcast, and you know he was a he was a significant presence when when um, Julio Jones was not on the field. Uh, we, we know they have Zacchaeus, and, and and they've drafted a couple of wide receivers as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a tricky one, but I I think the expect the noise and the expectations around Kyle Pitts right now are really really high. Um, and I think it's going to be a tricky one. I, I think it's not as uh, etched in stone as, as, as maybe expectations are, are currently uh, slanting towards that player. It's bordering to me on Clyde Edwards Alaire going into last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like bordering on that. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I haven't, just... I haven't done mock drafts yet, so I, have, I haven't taken a look at that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a different position, but you know, to start 
equating him on the level of, you know, those top three guys who, you know, at least in my book, are, are, are Kittle, Waller, and, and Kelsey, and they're basically starting to lean. I see some projections leaning towards those guys. I, you know, I, I, I get a little bit nervous around that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. That was one of the guys that I did want to bring up. Uh, so, so thank you very much for that. I, I do want to bring up one other guy, Wiz, and, 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 I, and I guess it's, it's a tricky situation because I'm expecting Zach Ertz to be traded. Uh, Dallas Goddard uh, on a team where the Philadelphia Eagles were number two in the NFL in tight end targets last year. Uh, we know they had both Goddard and Ertz. Uh, Goddard has had trouble staying on the field. It's a new offense. It's a new coach. So it's not the, it's not the, same, uh, it's not the same system that they were playing in. And, and I expect Jalen Hurts to be the starting quarterback here. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard, when he's been given the opportunity, has looked tremendous. Last year, injuries uh, definitely impacted his season. Uh, you know, do you can you envision a, a situation where Ertz is kind of knocking on the door of those three guys? If in fact, uh, sorry, Goddard is knocking on the doors of those three guys with Ertz being traded, or a situation where you could see Ertz slide slide back a lot more just because it's a new system, new quarterback, same not the same chemistry as kind of was built before. Uh, is there a situation that you can see both ways for for a player like Dallas Goddard based on some of the things that go on in Philadelphia? Yeah, me personally, I think Hawkinson and Andrews are safer bets um, than him after those first few, you know, elite tight ends that you mentioned. Uh, you know, I, I think after those first three guys, then you're getting into that conversation of Andrews, Hickinson, um, Pitts, uh, Goddard as well, um, you know, as the guys that are, are in that next group. And, and then I think it's just kind of like personal preference. But I, I, I would put him in that group, uh, and I think they want to throw him the ball. And, boy, when he's been on the field and he's been able to stay on the field, it's been nothing but terrific play from him. Uh, so I, I think with him, there, you know, you want to see obviously what happens with Ertz. Um, you're, you're kind of hitching him to the wagon that Jalen Hurts is going to play well. Um, but there's a like to, to you know to like about Dallas Goddard, and I think to your point, he's kind of like the forgotten guy in that tight end mix. I think. I'll ask you about one other player. Just this just came to me as you were talking. Um, uh, I guess no player will you know a, a player that we will be watching very closely in terms of how things play out in Green Bay is Robert Tanyan, who became a real favorite target in the red zone. Not that he was thrown to so much, but the efficiency in which he caught balls. There was a lot of trust built between the two players. Uh, Robert Tanyan, I think, had an 85% uh, efficiency in terms of when he was thrown to, he caught it. Uh, and we knew he had a lot of touchdowns last year. But, you know, certainly the impact of what happens with Aaron Rodgers. And, and I mean, Robert Tanyan's fantasy football season hinges, I think, on Rodgers coming back. Do you, would you agree with that statement? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, uh, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers said it perfectly, you know, when he called Tanya an ascending player. Uh, I think he is an ascending player, one of these guys who's gotten the chance and he's made the most of it. And the fact that Green Bay has not really had anyone else besides Adams 
that Rodgers could count on really has made Tanyan um, relevant in the fantasy football community. So I like him. Um, if, if, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, then obviously everybody else on that Green Bay offense is going to take a hit uh, at the skill positions in terms of fantasy football rankings. Tanyan won't be, uh, you know, an exception to that. It's just a matter of like how far down he goes. But I like the player and, uh, you know, he's one of these guys that uh, is what makes uh, the tight end position deeper and more talented than you and I have seen in uh, quite a long time. Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's a great position to look at. You know, there there are probably ten other players we can have conversations about, but uh, you know, I think I think we've done a good job here today in picking uh, some players with with some variability, both upside and downside. Uh, and yeah, onwards and upwards as we continue to move through in our preparations for the 2021 football season. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. I look forward to catching up with you with a lot more interesting topics, Wiz, as we uh, kind of move our way towards 2021, which is now less than three months away. And uh, we got some golf this weekend, U.S. Open. So uh, everybody enjoy that. But uh, Wiz and I will continue to be bringing you uh, a lot of relevant stuff when it comes to your fantasy football season. So Wiz, I wish you a good one. Enjoy the U.S. Open and have a very pleasant evening. Hey, you do the same. Thanks a lot.